We shall now turn to the portion of Scripture which we read together, the book of Numbers, chapter 14, and our text is verse 24. Numbers 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully. Israel had left the land of Egypt behind. They passed through the Red Sea. God brought them to Mount Sinai. There he gave them the regulations, the the laws. The moral law, yes, but that was always there. And the civil laws and the ceremonial laws, the regulations for the church and the regulations for the nation. And having constituted them like that, they have now reached the south of the land of Canaan. God told them to send spies, one spy from each of the 12 tribes. Ten of the spies see the problems and give a discouraging report. But Caleb follows the Lord wholly. He has faith in God. He looks at the problems and difficulties, but he also looks up and he sees God on the throne in heaven. And it's the same with you and me. It's possible for us to focus on the problems, the difficulties, and to become really discouraged. But if we look up, our hearts will be filled with hope, with optimism and confidence. Trust God, and God will always open a way through whatever difficulties lie before us. First, I'd like us to think tonight of God's promises to Israel. It's always good to start with the promises, to start with God's God's own word. There we have a sure foundation. And if we build our faith upon God's word, we're building upon the inerrant, infallible word of God. God spoke to Abraham. When Abraham was beyond the Euphrates River in Ur of the Chaldees, worshipping idols with his fathers, God said, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will be a God to thee and to thy seed after thee. And Abraham believed God's word and obeyed God's call. That call was an effectual call. And he left his idols and his old life behind and set out for the land of Canaan. And then chapter 12, verse 7 says, 
when he arrived in the land of Canaan, God said to him again, God appeared to him a second time and said, unto thy seed will I give this land. Then you move on to the next chapter, Genesis 13. And there we find a problem emerging. Abraham had with him his nephew Lot. And they were prospering. Their herds and their flocks were growing rapidly. And then their herdsmen began to quarrel because the flocks were intermingling with one another. And Abraham invited Lot to choose a place to go to so that they would separate one from another. If Lot had been wise, he would have got rid of some of his animals and chosen to stay in the house of Abraham, that blessed house where they worshipped God. But instead, he looked and he saw that the plain of Sodom was luxurious, fertile, rich like the Garden of Eden. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now Sodom was exceedingly wicked before the Lord. Lot thought he would be rich. But you remember what happened. He lost all his riches and ended up sitting in a cave with his two daughters. But God, after Lot left Abraham, God appeared to Abraham and said to him, look to the north, look southward, look eastward and westward. All this land I'm going to give you. Walk through it. Enjoy it. Possess it. In that sense. God's promise again to him. Genesis 13 verse 14. Genesis 15. God appears to Abraham again. Took him out. Showed him the night sky full of stars. And said. Can you number the stars? So shall thy seed be. As the stars. And I will give you. This land. Then God said something interesting to Abraham. Genesis 15, verse 16. He said, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. The Amorites, the Canaanites, they were wicked, terribly wicked. And yet it was not full. So the time had not come for God to give the land to Abraham. Sometimes people criticize God and they say, God is so cruel. He told Joshua to massacre all the people, men, women, and children. That was terrible. How could, how could God do that? But what we must remember is that that was God's sentence of judgment upon very, very wicked people. People who were engaged in violence and immorality and gross idolatry, burning their children as sacrifices in the fire to heathen gods. When it reached a certain point, God said, enough, wipe out the Canaanites. Just as he had said about the ancient world in the days of Noah, so violent, so immoral, God destroyed every man, woman, and child 
and animal apart from those who came into the ark. It was the same, of course, with Sodom. Sodom was destroyed for its great wickedness. Sodom, Lot was there. God spared Lot. And God spared his two daughters who left Sodom with Lot. The rest chose to stay. When, when Lot warned his sons-in-law about the coming judgment, he seemed to them as one that mocked. They thought it was a big joke. So they didn't leave and perished. God is a God of judgment, justice. How wonderful God is to mankind. Just think of how God dealt with greater and more glorious creatures, the angels. When they fell, they were given no gospel. They were condemned forever to hell. But all mankind has been given a gospel. And how thankful we should be for that. Glad tidings of great joy. We have a Savior. Repent and believe in him. And everyone who repents and believes in Jesus will be saved. So we have then God's promises to Abraham. Promising him the land. Not yet, but he'll have it in the future. Similarly, Isaac. God promised Isaac the land of Canaan. Similarly, Jacob. God promised him the land of Canaan. And then at the end of the book of Genesis, you read about Joseph, who had gone down to Egypt and was prime minister of Egypt. You remember when Joseph died, he said, don't bury me in Egypt. And don't immediately take up my bones and bury them in the land of Canaan. But keep my bones in a coffin. Because I want to be part of the exodus. I want to be part of that glorious march of the children of Israel from their slavery in Egypt into the land of promise. And so right through the book of Genesis then, there's these promises, the promised land. And then we come into the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. And there Moses meets God at the burning bush. And there, God makes a promise to Moses. You go back to Egypt. Take the children of Israel out of Egypt. Bring them to the land of Canaan. A land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you that land. And Moses went back and told the Israelites. He told Pharaoh. God wanted them to leave Egypt, to go out to worship him in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Who is he? Who does he think he is? Well, the Lord showed him who he was. And by a mighty hand, he brought his ten plagues upon the Egyptians. And at the end of the plagues, the Egyptians were dying for the Hebrews to leave them, to go, giving them presents and gifts so that they would hurry up and leave the land of Egypt in case they would all be destroyed. Pharaoh cannot keep them. They left the land of Egypt. 
when Pharaoh and his armies chased after them and seemed to have captured them with the mountains on either side and the sea in front of them and the chariots of Pharaoh charging down on them, the Lord opened the sea before them. What a great and mighty arm the Lord revealed. How wonderfully he delivered them. He was showing them sign after sign, wonder after wonder. He was their God. Nothing was impossible to him. Who ever heard of it? The sea opening and a channel there made on dry ground for the millions of Israelites to cross and the Egyptians trying to do it were drowned. And then in the wilderness where there was no food, God rained down bread upon them from heaven, manna. When there was no water to drink, he brought water streams out of the flinty rock. God led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God was present in their midst. God spoke to them face to face. All the Israelites heard God announcing his moral law from Mount Sinai. And God spoke to Moses face to face and he spoke to Israel. So God revealed himself to them. God made wonderful promises. And God revealed to them that he was the kind of God that could keep his promises, no matter how hard it seemed. He's almighty. There's no limit to him. And of course, he's the God who cannot lie. The God who cannot tell a lie. So first, they had the promises. Now, secondly, we see here in this account, God dishonoring unbelief. <clears throat> Twelve spies were sent to search out the land of Canaan. They found it a rich and fertile land. We're told of them coming to the brook of Eshkol. There they cut down a bunch of grapes. It was so large that two men were required to carry it on a pole. Such a fertile country. And they brought of the fruit of the land, the pomegranates and the figs. Yes, a wonderful land. Blowing with milk and honey. A land of riches. A land blessed by God. Ah, but ten of them say the people are strong. See what they say there. Verse 28 of chapter 13. The people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. These high walls up to heaven. How can we possibly conquer a land with great walls like that? And we saw the children of Anak. They were amazing. These great giants. They were so huge. Verse 33. The sons of Anak. We were in our own sight as little grasshoppers before them. And that's the way they viewed us too. They were so huge, these men. And there were the Amalekites 
dwelling in tents in the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and all these people and all their armies and all their chariots and all their weapons. And who could possibly fight against all these people? And when the Israelites heard this negative message, they were discouraged. God dishonoring unbelief. Verse 33, verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it out is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. It devours them. It's dangerous for us to go into that land. We'll be devoured by that land. And all the people that we saw in it, all of them, they're all great. Not just a few sons of Anak, but they're all great. You see how the story gets bigger and bigger. They're focusing in on all the negatives. They forget Almighty God. Their eyes are on the problems. They see the armies, the weapons, the giants. And they cannot see God. It's a bit like in the book of Samuel, chapter 17, where you read about Goliath, the giant, defying the armies of the living God. Send me somebody to fight with me. And all the Israelites backed off. All they could see was this big man and his armor. And they weren't looking up and seeing God. And then along comes young David. And all he can see is God. And he says, I'll go and fight. And he takes a sling and a stone and his staff. And the giant sees him with his, his stick in his hand. And he says, am I a dog that you come out against me with a stick? Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of heaven and the beasts of the field. And David says, you trust in your armor and your weapons in your military training, that I trust in the Lord. Because I trust in the Lord, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. David, his trust was not in his ability with a sling and a stone, nor in his ability with sword or anything else. His trust was in God. And because he trusted in God, Goliath was helpless before him. Fell down on his face before David. And David could take Goliath's own sword and cut off his head. Today, there's much to discourage us. There's the LGBT lobby so strongly against us. All this gay rights and transsexual rights and transgender rights. And then there's the media against us, public opinion against us, the government so often against us, the scientists against us. And the church is small and aging, seems to be dying. What should our attitude be? Despair, give up. See the problems. There's no future. There's no hope. 
we might as well hide away in our little holes and just wait. Wait for the end. No, that's God dishonoring unbelief. Next, we notice Caleb's faith. He had another spirit. Verse 24, he followed the Lord wholly. In Hebrews 11, you read about the heroes of faith. And there's a wonderful message there for us. All these great men and women of God, the elders who obtained a good report, Abel who offered a more excellent sacrifice by faith, Noah who made the ark by faith, Enoch who went straight to heaven without dying because he had faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh unto God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Abraham by faith and all the rest of them. Some of them subdued lions. Daniel faced the violence of the fire. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They endured all kinds of troubles and trials. And succeeded by faith. What an example they are to us. What a challenge to us today. What they could do by faith. And so Caleb, he saw the same country as the other ten spies. He saw the same armies. He saw, he saw the same walled cities. He saw the same giants. But he saw God. That's what's important. He saw God. And so he says. Chapter 13 verse 30. Caleb still the people. Before Moses. And said, Let's go at once. And possess it. We're well able to do it. Is it because we're good soldiers? Because we've got lots of us. And we've got giants on our side. No, 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 no. We're well able to overcome them because we've got God on our side. One man with God is greater than a whole army of a million soldiers with tanks and planes and whatever else they might have. If God be for us, that's what matters. Not the numbers against us. Not the weapons against us. Caleb saw God. We are well able. And the people said, the others, the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go against this people for they are stronger than we. They brought up this evil report. They forget God. And chapter 14, verse 1, all the congregation listened to the 10 spies and they lifted up their voice and they cried, and they wept all night. What a sight it must have been. However many of them there were. Perhaps a couple of million of them there. And they're crying all night. All night long weeping. And then they were told that they murmured against Moses. They started to grumble. And the whole congregation said unto them. 
Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Would God that we had died in this wilderness. Would have been better for us that we're still in Egypt. They forget the, the pain of slavery. Indeed, it would be better that we died in the wilderness. God's brought us into this land of Canaan so that we'll fall by the sword. And our wives and our children will be booty, prey for, the, for these Canaanites. And then they said, let us make a captain. And let us return to Egypt. They're going to turn back to Egypt. And we're told that Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the congregation. Fell on their faces before the Lord. Moses and Aaron began to pray. They turned to the Lord. God was the only help that they could have. Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the two of them had gone up. They brought the good report. They rent their clothes, a sign of mourning. And they speak unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, this land's an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, surely he does. He's proved time and time and time again that he delights in us. Then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. This land that's flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel. Only don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. They're bread for us. Just like you chew a piece of bread, so we'll chew up the inhabitants of the land. The Lord is with us. Fear not them. What great words of faith. Caleb and Joshua, they followed the Lord holy. The Lord is with us. Fear not them. But what did the congregation say? Stone them. Stone them with stones. And as they started to gather the stones, the glory of the Lord appears. God in his glory reveals himself in the tabernacle of the congregation. And God says to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs and all the wonders and the miracles I've done. I'll tell you what. I'll smite them with pestilence. And I'll make of you, Moses, a new people for myself. These Israelites, they're such rebels. I'll just destroy them all. And then we see Moses. Moses at his very best. Moses a type of Christ interceding he's the mediator and he starts praying and pleading with god and he says to god then the egyptians will hear for thou brought us this people in thy might from among them and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land of the canaanites for they have heard that thou lord art among this people seen face to face thy cloud stands over them Thou goest before them as a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Now, if thou wilt kill all these people as one man, the nations which have heard of thy fame will say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the so-called promised land. Therefore, 
he slew them in the wilderness. Now I beseech thee, Lord, let thy power, the power of my Lord, be great according as thou hast spoken. Remember how God revealed himself to Moses. The Lord long-suffering and gracious, forgiving iniquity and transgression, by no means clearing the guilty, the iniquity of the sinners, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation, but rich in mercy. Pardon, I beseech the iniquity of this people, according to the greatness of thy mercy, as thou hast forgiven thy people from Egypt even until now. Moses, a type of Christ. Christ prays for us. Where would we be but for the fact that Christ is praying for us? It's lovely when somebody says, I'm praying for you. We like that. Sometimes we tell people to pray for us, and that's good. But the best thing of all is that Christ is praying for us. And his prayers will always be answered. And he prays for every one of those who trust in him. If any man sin, we have an advocate, a lawyer, a priest. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he's praying for us. He is the propitiation for our sins. So we see here Moses as a type of Christ interceding for sinning Israel. And Caleb is another type of Christ, following the Lord holy, putting his faith in the Lord, doing great things because his faith was in God. How was Jesus able to keep on going? It was only by faith. He too had to put his faith, putting his faith constantly in the Lord. He had to do that time after time. He trusted in God that he would deliver him. And he did. God did deliver him. God was gracious to Christ because Christ put his faith in him. So Caleb here is a type of Christ following the Lord holy. And nobody followed the Lord so holy as Jesus did. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame we need faith and we need to look like Caleb to the Lord so Caleb's faith shines through and then finally we see here Caleb's reward in verse 24 chapter 14 God makes a great promise to him but my servant Caleb because he had another spirit in him and hath followed me wholly, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went and his seed shall possess it. Because he was different from the unbelieving spies and the unbelieving Israelites, God would reward him. He followed the Lord wholly and God is going to give to him the land whereon he walked. That very land that he trod upon, he will get. 
the rebels, all of them are going to die. For 40 days they searched the land and they saw the goodness of the land and they came back with a, an evil report. And the vast majority believed them. And therefore, all these people who followed the, the, the spies, the ten spies, they would spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness till they all died. Every adult man amongst them would die in the wilderness. 40 years wandering in the wilderness as before them. But only Caleb and Joshua would enter the promised land. Caleb followed the Lord holy. And if we go on to Joshua chapter 14, we find there the uh, people of Judah along with Caleb coming to Joshua. They've come in, they've taken possession of the land of Canaan. And the land has been divided. And Caleb comes to Joshua and he says, Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke. Give me that mountain. Give me that most difficult part of the land of promise. Give me that place where the giants live. Give me Hebron, where the sons of Anak are. Here I am today, 85 years of age. My strength is still what it was 45 years ago. I'm still ready for war. I'm still trusting in the Lord. I still have faith in this great God. Give me this mountain. I want to show, I want to prove that God is great and that God helps his people and that those who trust in the Lord shall not be ashamed. Give me this mountain. And Joshua gave him the mountain and he went and he possessed it. He took possession of it and he killed the sons of Anak, Sheshai and Halmai and Ahiman, the sons of the, the giants, these mighty men. He killed them and he took possession of the land, drove out the inhabitants thereof. He took God at his word. He believed God's promises. He was bold in God. Just like David going to face Goliath. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going to face the fiery furnace. What God can deliver you out of my hand? Our God can deliver us out of your hand. But if he doesn't choose to deliver us, we still won't deny him. And God did deliver them from the fiery furnace. Daniel going to face the lions. God can deliver me. If he doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'll still trust in him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Be strong in God. What sort of message should we take away from this communion season? Surely it should be this. Trust in God. Be strong in God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Caleb followed the Lord holy. Let Caleb be a challenge to us tonight. Let's not be like the spies looking at the problems and the difficulties and the enemy. 
and all the forces that are against us, but let us look up and remember that God is. And God is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Be strong and of good courage, and thou shalt possess the land. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, we thank thee that we have a great God. Grant unto us, little creatures that we are, frail little grasshoppers before thee, grant us to have faith in thee and not to fear the giants. May we be strong and of a good courage and take possession of the land. We thank thee, O Lord, for the story, the story of Caleb and his faithfulness. And we thank thee for the way he was preserved for these 45 years when all his contemporaries died. And we thank thee that he was able to take possession of that mountain that thou didst promise to him. And give us also grace to go and take possession of the mountain that thou dost give to us. Help us to fear not the face of any man, but to fear God. Pardon our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen.